And we're going to talk about radical generosity, which we have been talking about. We've been talking about, and thank you, Matthew, for last week sharing with us on hospitality. We've been talking about God's mercy and His radical generosity. We've been talking about using our giftedness and radical generosity. And today we're going to look at giving. Actually, radical generosity is a partly a part of giving. And in 1 Chronicles 29, I want to give you the context, and don't worry, I'm going to do a shorter talk today. It's not going to be as long, so you'll be out in normal time. But we're going to, this is David, King David. King David lived at 1000 BC. It was the highest time of the land of Israel. This is the pinnacle of the land of Israel. Everything coming up to that point led to David and then to his son Solomon. After Solomon, it started going back down again and really hasn't come back up much since. It's been going like this. Even to this day, we're seeing this. But back then, Israel was at its pinnacle with David, who was a man of war, who really organized the country. A lot of his predecessors had worked on it, Joshua and others, and the judges had all worked to kind of get the land settled. But it was David who finalized all that. And then Solomon was the man of peace because his father was the man of war. He could be the man of peace. And we know that story. And we're right at the end of David's life and the beginning, or David's reign, and the beginning of Solomon's reign as king. And in that is a time when David goes to the leaders and to the people and asks them to do something. And what he asked them to do was to give. Now, here's interesting, and just in context, they were required to tithe back then. We all know that. If you're in the church, you know that the tithe. The tithe is 10%. That's what it means. And so, what you may not know is that the children of Israel had to do two tithes a year. Two tithes. Do you know what that is? little math, what does that equal? 20%. They had to give 20% of everything they had. And then once every three years, they had to tithe a special tithe, which means that's another 10%. Once every three years, you divide that into every year, that's 23 and a third percent they gave every year or the equivalent of. That's what they were normally giving that was required. That's what they had to do. And then David comes along, and he uses a word called free. He says, would you give freely? Some of your translations say free will. Would you give freely to an offering to the Lord? That's after 23 and a third percent. Pretty amazing. It wasn't after they didn't give anything and go, oh, freely give. He's saying, now, after you've tithed all this still, would you freely give to build the temple or to make a building. And that's the context we're in. And if you go to verse 10, we're gonna start in the middle of the story and we're gonna go forwards and backwards a couple of times and learn a couple of thoughts here. They do it. We'll talk about what they do in a minute. They do it and David prays to the Lord a prayer of thanksgiving. And it's the prayer I want us to learn from today because Prayers are very important. We're asking you to pray. I hope you realize the prayer is important. And so let's learn from this. I want to read a few verses starting 1 Chronicles chapter, 20, uh, verse, chapter 29, verse 10. I'll read for a few verses, then I'll come back. 
Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth, in the heavens and on earth, is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as the head above all, both riches and honor, Come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Verse 14, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and your own and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like shadows and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. And he keeps going on. Let's learn a couple of things. First of all, number one, God owns it all. God owns it all. Did you hear the praise in those first couple of verses in 10 through 13? Both riches and honor comes from you, and you rule over all of it, verse 12 says. Yours is the greatness. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory and victory for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Either it is or it isn't. Does God own everything? The answer is yes, God owns it all. And if God owns it all, what does that mean? I own nothing. Thank you. Good word there, Mike. We don't own anything if God owns it all. It's so important to understand. It's a core tenet of understanding that God owns it all and we don't. Number two, this is key. In verse 14, now, remember who's saying, this is David, probably the second wealthiest human being of the day. His son became the wealthiest. That's a whole nother story. He even got more money than his father, but he was probably after the Babylonian or Persian king or Egyptian king, whoever was in power at that moment, might have had a little more than him, but he's the second wealthiest guy in the world, most likely. And what does he say? David in verse 14, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer freely? There is a humility that has to come in your giving. There's a humility that has to come in your whole life. We talk about this all the time. If you've been around me at all, I always talk about humility. It's probably the, um, the least um, attribute of people. In other words, the greatest attribute of everyone is pride. And I don't mean that in good great, but in the most powerful attribute that most people have in their life is pride. We know that because it's spoken about throughout the Bible. Don't be proud, be humble. It's in every book. When we see people falling, it's because of pride most of the time. And he's, David is saying, who am I? Now, David could say, look, who am I? and who I am. I am the king of Israel at a time when it meant a lot to be the king of Israel. One of the most powerful men who lived during that time, that's who I am. But he doesn't say that. He says, who am I? 
there's a downward voice when he speaks it. In other words, there's a humility there that who am I that we can give freely to God? Isn't that amazing? I, I have to tell you, one of the more disappointing things about being a pastor is when people want real recognition for their giving. Can I just say that? They want this huge... Now, I'm okay if I know that you gave or people know that you gave. That's, it's not about hiding it. I'm, I don't need to hide it. But this, like, guess what I gave? Did you know I gave? Did you know we did this? Did you know my family did that? Your family did this and your family did that. There's, there's a pride that attaches to that. That's why, in, you know, in hospitals, you see given by this and the room by that. I'm okay with that. It's the hospital but you don't see any names on walls in this church. And there's a reason for that, because the fact that you gave enough to pay for that wall, but we put it all together because it's all our giving. Because whether you gave one or a hundred or a thousand or a million, it's just zeros at that point. It comes out of the heart. We're gonna find out it's the heart of the giver. Because if I give X, it may be a tip to God, And if you give that same X, it may be transformational because different people have different resources. I hope that makes sense. So I'm not being facetious here, but the reality is, is that you're to give to God because he owns it anyway. He's going to give it back to him. And there's a humility of that. Number three, verse 14, the second half, for all things come from you and your own have we given you? We give because we have been given. Just write that down. You do not give because you have gotten something that you deserve. You give because God has given it to you. And once you understand it, it's a lot easier to go, oh, wow. You know, you're releasing God's stuff. You're not releasing your stuff. Now, you need things. I'm not saying give 100% away, not at all, unless you have that ability. There's no need to give 100% away. God wants you to keep it. But there are times when you got to give it back, and there's opportunity to give it back. Here's the core of this, and I know this is not going to be very popular. Not giving is a basic distrust of God. Okay, I'm sorry. Not giving is a basic distrust from God. I can't give because I got to save for tomorrow. Now, you need to save, and you need to be thrifty, and you need to do all those things. But in this country, you know how much you need to save, and there's a lot, there's sometimes left over, and you got to trust. I don't know what the economy is going to be tomorrow. I can't give. I don't know what the economy is tomorrow. I need to give. Two years ago, if you gave that stock that went down, everybody would be better off. You would have gotten a tax write-off. The church would have gotten the... Instead, we lost the money, right? The tax... when When it went down like this a year and a half ago, all your stocks went down, you know, right? We don't know. God wants us to trust him. 
And it's personal. It's each one needs to ascertain what that is. I'm not here to say you need to give X or Y. That's between you and God. But understand that he owns it all, and he's asked you to give. And if you don't, there is some distrust there. Number four, and let's go back to the previous page, verse five and six. David asked for free will offerings. In other words, you got to do it freely. I can't sit here and cajole you because I could cajole you today. I could get you to cry and get you to write a check and get you to do it out of guilt. But that's not the purpose. That's a one-time gift. Your giving needs to, giving needs to be freely, free will. It's out of your will, freely given. Who then, verse, the second part of verse 5, the, that last sentence, who then will offer willingly consecrating himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders and the fathers of the houses made their free will offerings. He just continually, the writer of Chronicles continually says that it's freely given. It's a free will. Willingly we're giving, as did also the leaders of the tribes and the commanders of thousands and hundreds and officers over the king's work. Everybody was giving. And you remember, they already tithe, so it's not about tithing. You tithe, but he's asking for that extra gift. Now, why? Why? Can I give you the why behind this? And let's go back to the previous chapter, verse 28, verse 9. So the fifth thing is this. When David was talking to Solomon, maybe even one-on-one, verse 9, he says these words in chapter 28, the previous chapter. He goes, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, that's himself, and serve him, excuse me, with a what? Whole heart. You see, all of this is preceded by the reality that we have to have a wholeheartedness towards God. Do you have a wholeheartedness towards God? Some people have a Sunday morning at 1030 heart for God. Some people have a Wednesday night at 6.30, heart for God. Some people have a Tuesday afternoon, work at Boca Helping Hands, heart for God. Some people have a Sunday afternoon, help with the clothing ministry, heart for God. I mean, those are all good hearts for God, but do you have a whole heart for God? Now, we individually work at different things, and we have giftedness at different things. And then... Go back to 29.9. So if you want to remember, it's 28.9 and 29.9. He says about the people. So 28 is him talking to Solomon. David's talking to Solomon. He says, you need a whole heart towards God. And then one chapter, even the same verse 9, he goes in 29, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole heart. Isn't that amazing? With a whole heart. There's a wholeheartedness. That's why if you know our uh, vision of this church, our mission of this church, our uh, um, foundational thoughts of this church is that we want to have a whole life generosity. We want our whole life to be holy to God. That's what this means. I love that we're all here on Sunday morning. I love that we have four or 500 people in groups. I love all that. And that shows a wholeheartedness towards church. 
but do we have a wholeheartedness towards God? And that really comes out of the heart. A wholeheartedness. And he calls us to that. And here's the amazing thing. And then I'm going to get two lessons and we're done. They were able to build the temple. Solomon gets the credit for building the temple because it's called Solomon's Temple. To this day, they talk about Solomon's Temple as the great temple. But can I tell you, Solomon's Temple would not have been built without the wholehearted gifts freely given by the people of Israel. It was the people's temple, not Solomon's temple. The people financed the temple, gave the money for the temple. Yes, Solomon gave enough and David gave a lot. Of course, they were wealthy. They could give more. They had the money to give. But it was the people to give. Can you imagine just the little poor lady, the the widow who came with just a mite or a penny or two? Wealthier business people brought other things. The very wealthy brought other things. That's what it was about. It wasn't what you brought, it's that you brought with a whole heart. Why? Let's look at two lessons very quickly as we end. God is the source of all gifts that we give. So, all gifts we give are to be given as to God. You're not giving it to me. You're technically not even giving it to the church. You are giving it. You're going to write a check to the church or send your emails to the church and your whatever electronic gifts to the church, but it's to God. We need to understand that God is the source, God owns it all, and our giving is as to God. Let me tell you this. When you start going to, you know, if if God moves you up to Atlanta or out to Dallas or back to wherever you come from or somewhere else, go give to that place. You know what I mean? Go give to them. I mean, I'd love you to keep giving to us, but you're planted somewhere. If you're planted in Atlanta, give in Atlanta. You're planted in Boca, give in Boca. I never, you know, some people come half a year and I say, give half when you're here and give half when you're there. Whatever it takes, you figure it out. But give is to God. This is a gift to God. And then, you know why? Because if you give it to me, nothing will happen. We'll build an air conditioner. We'll um, put some new windows in. We'll start a new this. We'll do that. That's good. It's kind of one-to-one. You give a dollar, we're going to get a dollar. You give it to God. You give a dollar, 40, 60, 100. So let me close. The pastor that started this church was a guy, a man named Ira Eshelman. Doesn't mean much to you. I get it. He's very important in the life of our our family because he led my grandfather, grandmother, mother to God. But have you ever heard of um, the chapel services in the NFL? You know, they they have chaplains in the NFL. Now they have them in Major League Baseball and they have Major League Basketball. The coaches that you guys work with in college, that all started at Boca Raton Community Church. No one knows this. The first NFL chaplain, which is the first set of chaplains in the professional leagues, came out of Boca Raton Community Church. It was called Bible Town back then, but it came from here. And then nobody knows that. 
The translation of the New International Version Bible was done here on this facility. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Jesus film. It's a film that's been translated into hundreds of languages around the world. The guy who orchestrated that whole thing came to Christ at Boca Raton Community Church. Now, those are all big things, but maybe you came to Christ at Boca Raton Community Church. I did. I tell you what, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to you. It means a lot to our predecessors, and it will mean a lot to the people who come in the future. Do you believe that? Just do whatever God tells you to do. That's, to me, the end. If you come up to me and go, how much should I give? It's not about me. It's between you and God. And whatever you and God decide you should give, just do what he says, and I'm a happy camper. I don't, I don't look and go, oh, I wish they had given more and they've more. No, it's not that. We're here to minister to people, but we do it in a place and we do it in a time called Boca Raton Community Church. God bless you all. Let's pray together.